This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 131 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Bob Avila and the Wild Movie Shoot. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha. You can find them at omegaalpha.ca. This episode is also sponsored by Equestrian Collections. You can find them at equestriancollections.com and Uncle Jimmy's can be found at uncle-jimmy's.com. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Helena B., the sick one. What the heck? Uh, I know. It's coming on spring. It's finally warming up, and you've got a cold. Oh, please. I want to go out gallivanting right now. It's beautiful out here. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow, and I'm hacking and coughing up along. We're going to hit 70 here in Lexington today. Oh, boy. just amazing. All our snow has melted. Do you still have snow and ice? Uh, we have just a little bit left. Yeah. Just a little bit. No, it's mostly mud. But it's going to warm up? Warm yes. Up well, it's, it's 50 degrees now, and then tomorrow it's going to be a few degrees warmer. So it'll be, you know, that's nice. That's a heat wave around here. We'll yeah, take it. Yeah, great. That's, you know, it's funny because in the wintertime, when it gets to 50 degrees, you got your short sleeves on and you're outside going, oh, this is so <laughs> nice. In the summertime, it gets to 50 degrees and you got your winter coat and it's freezing, you know? <laughs> I know. It's, it's so the funny. same 50 degrees. Just, I know. It's I know. just all what your body gets used to. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, to being able to to muck my stalls with the big with the barn door open because it lets in such beautiful sunlight and it's just so nice and refreshing. I hate to muck with the doors closed, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. Well, this weekend a friend of ours is uh, uh, moving to a new farm, so we have volunteered to help over the weekend to get the new one cleaned up and to get all the horses moved and all that stuff. So, so that's going to be what our weekend is involved doing. It's going to be an, an interesting, busy weekend trying to do that. And, of course, it's like any farm you move into. This farm that we're, she's moving into hasn't had anybody in it in a year. So, you know, it's amazing how quickly barns and farms can deteriorate in a year with no, with no attention, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you'd think there was nothing happening. Nothing should be broke, you know? But that's not true. So we have a lot of cleaning to do and uh, trying to get the skunk out of the one barn. It, we saw it last night and there was Aww. severe skunk smell in the one barn. But fortunately, Aww. we know the trick to ridding ourselves of skunks. So What's that? Mothballs. Believe it or not, we had a skunk live under our porch of our house one time. And this old guy, uh, uh, old horse guy, came up and said, oh, you got a skunk under there. I said, yeah, how are we going to get rid of the skunk? <laughs> and he said, I got it. He said, just dump a moth, box of mothballs under there, and he'll be gone in a day. We did it. He was gone in a day. Apparently, skunks can actually smell mothballs over the skunky smell, and they don't like it. There's actually a smell skunks don't like. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't blame them. <laughs> so, I was a skunk. I'd head for the hell's Yeah, too. so we're going to just spread mothballs all over that barn, and, and uh, the skunks will be gone. And also, other animals, snakes don't like mothballs. Um, uh, rats and mice don't necessarily like mothballs either. So mothballs are the not only for moths. Okay, then. Yeah, they should call them skunk balls. Put that balls. one on horse tip daily. They should call them skunk balls. And, uh, skunk. Or is that something No, else? they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they shouldn't. <laughs> All right, so uh, today we have a fun show planned. 
We're going we're gonna to have a revisit by a girl that we had on not too long ago by the name of Sammy Jo, uh, Sammy, Sammy Jo Stoller. And remember, she was the one that trained zebras. She was our zebra trainer that we had so much fun with. And she's going to be back on because she did something yesterday, and I saw it on Facebook, and I want to have the audience, I want to share to share it with the audience because it sounds wild. So let's just call it the wild photo shoot that she did yesterday. So we're going to have her on to talk about that. And then we also have a horseman's horseman that's been around for a long time. He's very well known in the quarter horse world and the western world. His name is Bob Avila. And Bob's going to be on to chat with us about his life and, and horses. And we're going to talk to him. He wrote a book about buying horses. So we're going to talk to him a little about, about buying horses and the right way to do that, too. So just a fun show with some fun guests, like usual, here on Stable Scoop. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we've had one or two guests that were not fun. Yeah, we've had a few over the time that uh, have been challenging. So let's hope today's not challenging because I don't think in your current state of sickness, you're much up for challenging. So I have a very good feeling about today's show. Okay, good. All right, good. Well, then let's start with a very good, speaking of very good feelings. Uh, let's start with our title sponsor and then get to our first guest. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha. We had the privilege. Oh, nice segue. See, wasn't that good? <laughs> our, yeah, uh, sorry, we had the privilege you. of meeting uh, or seeing again our title sponsors at the uh, Ada show we went to a couple weeks ago. We got to see Dr. Chang again and spend some time with him and Patty. And, you know, they are a terrific company. If you're looking for a supplement for your horse, Omega Alpha is where you need to go. They're one of the top supplement companies in Canada for, for animals, dogs, horses, and humans. Uh, but they, they uh, sell their horse line here in the United States. And it's something that you should take a look at because one of the things about it, and I know that Helena likes this, is all their products are all natural. Everything is, is made from natural ingredients. And Dr. Trang is, truly knows what he's talking about when it comes to that. I went over to him and I said... I'm having some, and I have been for the last two months, having some stomach problems. And I explained it to him, and he said, I know exactly which products will help take care of that. And so I knew what to go out and get. And, you know, he knows that for animals and humans alike. Uh, Jamie, our co-host on the morning show, Helena calls her little Jay. I'm going to start doing that in the morning and see how mad she gets. Um, But she uses the Biotic A product, which is a stomach product for one of her horses, and she will never stop using it. She said, it's changed that horse. So we want you to take a look at Omega Alpha, omegaalpha.ca. You can find all of their products there. Stop over, take a look. They have a multitude of different products. That's the other thing that surprised me when we were at the show, uh, Helena, is how many different products they have for horses. I'm (laughs) stunned (laughs) because I always looking for something for my horses, either to, you know, for maintenance to help. And, you know, what happens is I end up getting into a discussion about a particular product. So I end up learning a lot about a particular product. And then I turn around and I look at the collection of what they do have. And I go, there's just not enough time for me to learn this much information (laughs) about everything they have to offer. That's true. So, yeah, what they do have to offer is is, uh, pretty phenomenal. Yes. And uh, so take a look at Omega Alpha. And we thank them for continuing to support the wackiness that we do here on Stable Scoop. Well, let's get to our first guest, Sammy Joe. Sammy Joe is the zebra lady that was on with us a while back. She trains zebras. She's not actually a zebra and a lady. She trains zebras. I should be careful how I say that. She's the zebra trainer that we had on that was so delightful. And she had a Facebook post we're going to tell you about that I had to have her on today. 
Well, Sammy Joe, welcome back to to our show. We, we had so much fun to have you back on, and I think people really enjoyed the last time you were on talking about zebras and training and all of that stuff. But I had you on. I got sorry about the short notice, but I saw on your Facebook page this morning, and I want to read this. It says, finished with shooting Dallas. It was very stressful shoot, but Charlie is a rock star. And then it talks about trains and 60 miles an hour and blowing horns. What the heck were you doing? <laughs> well, uh, we were doing a photo shoot for an advertisement, um, and I had Charlie, my zebra, on set. And it was quite an adventure. And, of course, with my life, every day is an adventure. So <laughs> this was no exception. So uh, husband, inevitably, your husband whenever... told us that, by the way. <laughs> inevitably, whenever we go on set, we are always surrounded by people who really don't know how animals operate. Yeah. So they always require, you know, they want us to do these crazy things that animals really aren't made to do. So uh, this particular set was set up between two train tracks, and we were against one train that was running, and we had all the the actors and the models and the photographers and everything all around. And then there was also another live track that was about 30 feet away where we had commuter trains buzzing by as we're trying to do this shoot. And there's a lot of horses that would not have been able to do what Charlie did yesterday. I was very proud of him. Wow, now, and you said in the little post that he was at Liberty. You didn't even have a lead rope on him? Yeah, I did for some of it, but yeah, um, what I had ended up doing is I went over there and we had it all set up and there's all these people around. There's people on the train and there's people all over and they have the lights set up and so they've got these big lights that have the umbrellas that are about eight feet across and so they had three of those set up and so we're we're in this very confined space and there's uh I've taken this halter and everything off and we're sitting there and we're doing the shoot and he's on his mark and he's doing great and then it, all of a sudden a big gust of wind picked up and lifted up the umbrellas. Oh, no. You know, these big white umbrellas. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everybody panics. Everybody, you know, of course, the photographers and everything are worried about their equipment, so they're going for that. And I put my arms around Charlie's neck because, you know, the only thing I could think of is he's loose, we're on a train track, and there's umbrellas <laughs> yeah. flying through the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think in that moment, Charlie Brown was the calmest one there. <laughs> he looked at me, and, and he's like, Mama, what are you doing? Everything's fine. Yeah, all these people are nuts. Why are we here? <laughs> I know. So he was great. I was so proud of him. Uh, and when we were going, I didn't have the, the halter on him, and somebody said, well, I think there's another train coming. And so they're looking at the schedule on when the trains are coming through. And so we said, oh, no, there's no more trains, no more trains. And then somebody else said, oh, yeah, there's a train going to be here in two minutes. In fact, there it is. So that was the first train to go by while we were shooting. And so I moved him away from the people because, you know, he's a zebra, and I didn't want him to spook and run into anybody. So we're sitting there, and we're looking, and I I have him look at the train as it's coming. He's never seen one like that before. And the first train went by, blows its whistle right there because it's going across the road. Yeah. And... You know, he took one step closer to me, kind of leaned his shoulder into me and said, oh, well, that's no big deal. And immediately following that one, there was another train. And by that time, he was just picking up leaves along the, <laughs> on the ground and Ugh. didn't even pay attention to it at all. So I'm, I'm holding my breath listening to you tell this story. I can't imagine how you held it together. 
during this? It was it was one of those things where there was a few people there who knew animals and knew, you know, this is not a good situation. And then I think most everybody else was kind of oblivious to the fact that that's not something you should normally subject an animal to, let alone a zebra. But he was great. I was so proud of him. Yeah, they don't see that too much on the plains of Africa. Um, no. <laughs> Now, this, Charlie is one of you, the ones you've had for the longest time, right? Yeah, I've, I've had Charlie since he was 24 hours old, and he's the one that I drive. He pulls carriage, and we do quite a few public yeah, events you, and things. So he's been around and seen a lot. Yeah, you've done the desensitization extremely with him. He's been, you know, yes. he's, 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 a good, he's a good guy. Well, you've had, I've been following you on Facebook, and, uh, you know, this is just, Helena, this is just one of many adventures. Can you imagine if you're, if Helena's horse... Pie would have been in the next, not the next county. He would have been in the next state. He would have been over in Oklahoma somewhere by the time the second train went by. <laughs> so, yeah, he would, or he would have been in my arms. That's where he would have been. I have a story to carry tell, me, hold I, me, mommy. I have a story to tell you really quick. We used to belong to a carriage club, and we there would be 20, 30, 40 carriages sometimes on these drives. We used to go to on drives mm-hmm. every Sunday, and it used to be four hours long. And they used to have police escorts. We used to go through towns. We'd go through the country countryside and the police would stop traffic at intersections it was pretty cool and there'd be anything from from singles like we drove to four in hands and six in hands and we stopped at a park for lunch we'd always stop halfway it was right in the middle of a city it was right in the middle of the town of Lidditz, pennsylvania beautiful park everything's great we get out our baskets of course all the horses are just standing there and we're eating lunch some people not even on their carriages and a train track was right there that hardly ever used sure enough a train comes up and toots his horn right there, squeals his brakes. And I'm not kidding, about half oh, of those God. horses took off at a dead run. And Thank God they went the other way, right? Yeah, they went away from the train, but almost ran people over. One little girl, about seven years old, almost got it by a pair that was pulling a carriage because they didn't have a driver. Because remember, some of the drivers were out of the carriages. And mm-hmm. so some of these were taking off without drivers. It was it was horrendous. So I know exactly what can happen when a train comes up, and if you're if you're not ready for it, it's it, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, and I'm glad that somebody um, you know finally got the the schedule and decided you know we had less than two minutes warning um, before the train went by because we were you know in the middle of all of this set with all the cameras and the lights and the people and everything there and. That could have been a disaster, but, I mean, luckily Charlie didn't do anything. Okay, so I know you can't Uh, say who this is for yet, but can you tell us, will it be a national commercial? um, I don't think it'll be national. It'll be mainly in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. um, You're likely to see Charlie Brown's face uh, plastered all over all sorts of things. So. Okay, so as soon as you, you can tell us, you'll probably be able to, they'll, they'll have a copy of the commercial on YouTube. We'll, we'll definitely let our audience know and post it up so they can see it. Yeah, and I'll probably put pictures and everything online, too. So Good. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun, and uh, we're definitely going to keep an eye on you. Next time you do wacky stuff, you have to come back on. <laughs> wacky stuff. All right, well, thank you very much. Brave stuff, Glenn. Brave, Brave stuff. Brave, wacky stuff. Brave, wacky stuff. <laughs> Sounds like fun, though. Thanks, Amy Joe. It's an adventure. Well, how would you like to bring Pi to the middle of a train tracks with trains zipping by and lights and cameras and floating umbrellas? I think he'd love that.
<sighs> you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Pi and I are a lot alike. He would probably be freaked out for the first 10 <laughs> seconds. And then he would probably be very interested in for trying to figure out what he could, how much fun could he have with all these yeah, gadgets and gizmos. He's chasing the train down the tracks going, Yeah, he's oh! very curious and playful. So, uh, you know, if we, like I said, if we could survive the first 20 seconds, we'll be good. Pi would be eating the light umbrella she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be making friends with the crew, <laughs> having a cigar in the back. You know, he'd have his own trailer. Honestly, after the first day of shooting, he'd have his own trailer. You know how they say that uh, humans and their dogs are a lot alike? They look alike. They act alike. Yeah. You and your horse are a lot no. alike. Oh, my God. I know. You should have seen me. I was just outside sitting on the fence, and he just walks right up to the fence. And I'm sitting, you know, we got the split rail. It's five feet high, and I'm sitting on the top rail, just absorbing the sunshine. And he just comes right up and positions himself sideways. Right in front of my hands, as if to say, there you go. There you go. Scratch right there. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I do that, a too, bit. with Jennifer every night on the couch, but it never works. Ever. <laughs> That's because you have to grow a mane and a tail. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know how earlier we were, we were, um, we, we spoke about, we spoke about zebra balls. Remember that? We just spoke about mm -hmm. that. Well, yeah. Somebody else has balls, too, and that's Uncle Jimmy's. There's another great transition. I didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> Actually, Uncle... we were talking about skunk balls, but hey. Oh, that's right. Skunk balls. That's true. I'm sorry. I got it messed up. Uh, Uncle Jimmy's is our choice for horse treats. It's, you know, it's uncle-jimmy's.com. Stop over to uncle-jimmy's. See, now it's me. I'm doing it. So uh, you can put that Don't make the... me laugh. I'm going to start coughing. <laughs> you can put that in the blooper reel there, Brian. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy's has the best horse balls, and we got to spend some time with Uncle Jimmy's there, too, at the Ada Show. Uh, the Uncle Jimmy's hanging horse balls are terrific. You're going to love those. His squeezy buns are, are one of the best products. They come individually wrapped. They're little soft treats for the horses, but they come individually wrapped, so they're always fresh, and they stay really soft. But the nice part about those is you can put medicine in them and your horse will actually eat the medicine you don't have to go sticking your hand down his throat and doing that whole thing you can just use uncle jimmy's squeezy buns his squeezy buns are perfect for that and i know that jamie went home with some uncle jimmy's pecker wreckers uncle jimmy's pecker we're not being dirty here they're actually no, no. chicken treats um, and they're, but they're they're functional chicken treats she said they her chickens loved them she said yeah. the chickens loved them so, but it also it's it's they're they're made with um I think he said it's with crushed oyster shells so that the the chickens beaks get dulled down as they eat the treats so that they don't hurt each other. Right. Because I have to say you know that are carnivorous. <laughs> they, they will kill each other. Uh, Notice how I had to qualify that pecker yes. <laughs> wrecker with the altruistic side of it. You know, it's for a good cause, people. It's for a good cause. But your hor your horses, your chickens will love Uncle Jimmy's treats. Uh, check them out. Go to UncleJimmy's.com. You can find them at most major retailers across the country as well as local tax shops. If your local tax shop doesn't have it, tell them they need to get Uncle Jimmy's because they will sell a lot of Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls. Let's go. I'm sure Bob Avila will be thrilled when he listens back to the show and we led into his interview talking about hanging balls. Well, here's Bob Avila. He is, he is a horseman's horseman. He has over 37 world championships or reserve world championship titles ranging from performance to halter classes. He's one of the most accomplished horsemen in the quarter horse world. And he has won, and this is very hard to get, because the AQHA is 700,000 members strong. 
he has captured the world's greatest horseman twice with the AQHA. That is hard to do. He's won over $1.7 million. He lives in California, and he's just one of the most terrific down-to-earth trainers you're going to find. So let's talk to Bob Avila. Well, hi, Bob, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We appreciate you joining us here in the Horse Radio Network. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. I know uh, uh, I've heard of you over the years, and you have you have obviously, as we said in your intro, you've won a few bucks doing this uh, doing this horse thing over your lifetime and thirty seven world championships and reserve world championships. And you know, one of the things about about us horse people is. Some people like, you know, even golfers or some of the different sports, they never grow or they grow out of it at some point. And a lot of them stop doing it. They stop playing baseball. They stop playing football. That never happens in the horse world. And that's one of the cool things that makes us truly unique. And here you are still doing it after 35 years. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, it, it's funny you said that because I've got a really good friend, Teddy Robinson, and I heard somebody ask him one time why he still does what he does. And he's a horse trainer, very successful horse trainer. And he says, I have to. And they kind of looked at him, and he said, I have to go to horse shows. That's where all my friends are. <laughs> and I thought that was very cool. You know, I mean, that, that kind of says it. That's our life. That's what, what we do. That is it's true. true. It's very honest, and it's very social. You can't just exist in a vacuum, you and your horse. I mean, you can, but you won't have a lot of fun. Right, right. Yeah, it's a very social thing, and, you know, that's why we enjoy it. Well, let's go back a little bit and get kind of the Reader's Digest version uh, of your life here. Were you, did you grow up in a horsey family? I grew up in a horsey family. My father was a PRCA rodeo cowboy uh, that turned horse show trainer after he met my mother. Uh, my mother grew up with show horses. Uh, I grew up uh, right south of San Francisco, California. And, uh, you know, I, I won my first horse show when I was five years old. And when people used to ask my mother what my favorite event was, she said the gate opening. I've rode hundred jumpers, I've run barrels, uh, you know, I've roped, I uh, ride cutters, cow horses, pleasure horses, halter horses. I've kind of done it all. I, I get bored doing one thing, so I, I enjoy doing everything. So what's the? Uh, I, I want to get to a little bit later what your current phase is then, um, but. You, is that where you came to love the quarter horse? Because I, you're well known for being a quarter horse guy. Right, right. Yeah, that's where it came from. You know, uh, my dad is my dad is still, uh, yeah, semi-active in the horse industry. You know, uh, he's gotten older and he he ropes more, mainly more than anything anymore. But uh, I grew up in it, and it's just part of me. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned jumping. So, have you ridden the warm blood over a jump? Yeah, I have. Oh, good. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to go stay with Clyde Kennedy, and he was a very successful horse trainer in Southern California. And uh, he showed uh, stock horses and hunter jumpers. Oh. And, uh, you know, I grew up around B- Billy Williams and Jimmy Williams. And, um, you know, I, I just a whole bunch of people. You know, I, I, that's kind of was my life, you know. Well, that's cool. So, that is cool. what does your day look like these days? I mean, you you, you get up in the morning and you, you are you keeping your horses at home? Do you do you do your own uh, barn work? What, what's what's a day in the life of Bob Avila sound like? You know, 
lately it's a little hectic. We've just bought another piece of property and we're moving. We just sold one house. We're moving one and we're going to build another facility. We're going to sell this facility. Uh, we have two different places, our home and our barn. Uh, so, you know, it keeps me pretty busy. I, I run quite a bit. Um, but usually I get up in the morning. What I like to do is I get up in the morning, I go to the barn, and um, I, I cut down from 100 and uh, 120 head of horses uh, with brood mares and babies and all that stuff down to 23 about three years ago. Wow, that's a um, big difference. I, <laughs> that's called downsizing. Yeah, yeah. Most you people know, go from a 3,000-square-foot house to a little condo in Florida. <laughs> you go down to 23 right, horses. Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and it really kind of made me look smart because the economy changed at the same time, and everybody said, how did you know? And, I, and you know, truthfully, I really didn't. It just made me look smart. It just was just <laughs> accidental, and I wanted to slow down a little bit. Uh, it got to the point that I'd done it for so long that I wasn't enjoying it for a while there, and when I cut back down, I got to enjoy it again. I got to actually enjoy being a horse trainer, and, I, and that's what I enjoy doing. You know, and that's and, a really uh, good point because good point. so many people, especially in the horse world, uh, I, I always say this, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and a lot of times that implies collecting horses or keeping and training and working with many more than is enjoyable. And I hope that this is a right. trend. I hope that people start to, to downsize so they can do more things or better quality things with a smaller herd. Uh, so how long has it been yeah. since you've been working with the smaller herd, and, and what do you think is the, the biggest change, the greatest benefit, other than financial, because we you know, know that's a given? Yeah, you know, actually, I think I make more money now than I did when I had a lot of horses. And that's probably true, um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, it is, because, you know, I have, I have two employee, two and a half employees right now, and I had 13 employees before. So I, I, it got to the point that I think I was working to keep everybody else fed, and um and worry about everybody else, you know, and, and uh, I turned 60 years old this later on this year, and I decided it was time that I was going to enjoy doing what I do, and, you know, I, I tell people I, I love doing what I do, I just don't love doing as much of it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, you know, um, but, you know, now, you know, I work my own arenas in the morning, I feed my own cattle, um, you know, I'm, I'm much more hands-on, and, and I think horse, the horse business is a hands-on business. And I, the bigger you get, the less hands-on you have. And and I always, I've never liked that part of it. I didn't want to lose that part of it. Um, about 20 years ago, I had a really good customer that walked in the barn and wanted to see his horse. And I had about 50 head of horses in training. And I actually didn't know where his horse was. I didn't know which barn his horse was in. And, you know, I, I, I never forgot that. That always bothered me because I thought, you know, I, I've kind of lost that personal touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't. It's a pretty simple thing to know when someone is paying you a lot of money every month to know where their product is or their horse is or whatever, you know. Well, and, you and, know and it's tough because you, you do get to the point where you're working for the business instead of the business working for you. Um, and, exactly. and, and it's almost like, isn't it? You, you, probably, you probably can attest to this, too. It's like a tornado that you, you don't get to enjoy it. Now you're enjoying it, and you wished you'd, you, 20 years ago, you'd probably done, this, done what you did now, you know? Right, right. You know, uh, my son is a young horse trainer, and, and I, I told him, I said, don't get too big. You know, don't get too big. I mean, you're better off doing it yourself. You know, it's, yep. it's that kind of business, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's like having a dairy. It's, you know, it's eight days a week, and, uh, you know, if you can handle it, you'll enjoy it. If you can't handle it, you won't. Right. 
Yeah, I have a question for you on a side note here. I was on your website, and there's a picture of the ranch, which I assume is where you keep your horses. Mm -hmm. uh, is that really yeah. yours with all the purple flowers and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, That's beautiful. I'm, I'm known as being a little anal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, everybody, everybody laughs about it because, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that walks around and picks up cigarette butts if someone puts one on the ground, you know. But, uh, yeah, we uh, our place sits way up on a hill, and those are all flowers. In fact, they're just getting ready to bloom right now, and uh, wow. it's really pretty. It's, yeah. it's a nice, nice way to make a living. That's not what I pictured. You know, that's not your typical ranch there, uh, Bob. Uh. No, no, it's not. Well, I'm not your typical horse trainer, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does make you different? You know, we do talk to a lot of people, and, and there are a lot of different kinds of training. What do you think is different about your life as a horse trainer? Uh, you know, I've, I've strived to be a businessman along the way. Um, you know, I started, I started close to having nothing. You know, I, I started, I didn't have anybody handing me a, a a silver spoon or anything. And, uh, I was, uh, at one time I was pretty broke in the horse business. And when I decided I was going to be a horse trainer, I, I didn't have any money at all. Um, I had one meal a day. I used to eat at a King's table cause it was all you could eat. You know, I did that for about six months and I swore to myself, I'd never, I'd never go back to that kind of life. And so to do it, the horses really have made me everything I have. And, uh, you know, I've become a businessman in it. Uh, you know, I've um, I have quite a few endorsements. I own part of a bit business with Professional Choice. Um, you know, I have a lot of different things, and you know, I guess that's what makes me different. Really, I'm not I'm not the typical cowboy. You know, um, well, you know, I wear a hat a... because my business requires it. <laughs> that's I'm real. I'm really glad that you answered that way because I think one of the things that is not so widespread in the horse industry is professionalism. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of passion and, and dedication and commitment. There are all those wonderful things, but uh, I think some horsemen are, are those, those are their strengths, whereas professionalism and business is not one of their strengths. So it's really nice to hear that you, that that is one of the keys to your success, because um, I think I, I would love to see the next generation of horse trainers and horse, horse professionals have the, the, your level of professionalism and the way they do their business. Do you see trends in, in up-and-coming trainers and horsemen that way? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, like I've had a lot of really successful young people work for me in the past. Uh, they've gone on to be million-dollar riders and very, very successful. And they call me constantly and, and throw things. I just had one of them just the other day call me and ask me some questions, and he's very successful. But... Um, you know, I, I think there's really three things it takes to be a successful horse trainer today. Uh, one, you have to have the ability and the talent to, to do it. Um, one, you should be a businessman. And the biggest one is you have to love animals. You, know, you have to love horses to be a successful horse trainer, I think. You know, there, there's a lot of mechanics in the world today that train horses. There's The true horseman loves their animals. Yeah. Well, on the business yeah. side of things, I have a question for you. I've wondered this because we've had on, you know, uh, you know, we do eight different shows here, and and we've had Tom McCutcheon on and Sean Florida, and you know, all the big rainers, and you know, winning four million dollars. We, you know, those on the English side hear that and drool because they don't have a chance to win anything near that. So, my but my question is, you know, you're a one million dollar winner, you're a two million dollar winner, but what? 
what does it cost to get there? You know, have you spent a million dollars? Six million dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the question I have. You know, it sounds great, but there's a ton of cost involved, too. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, I always laugh. If you want to make a million dollars in the horse business, start out with ten. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that uh, never gets old, you know, honestly. I, it just doesn't. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. Does Everybody's heard it before, but... Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you that it's taken me millions to make millions because that's what I do. I get paid to do what I do, and I win along the way. Um, you know, if I win, I get a percentage of my winnings. If I don't win, I don't make money. You right. know, I, I get right. paid for my, my time and stuff. But, uh, you know, and, and most horse trainers are that way. You know, that's the difference between, you know, I just heard Tiger Woods went to Dubai the other day and got $3 million to go there. He didn't have to win. He just went there. Right. You're thinking... <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he got fined good. for spitting on the course. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it was $1,500 or something. You know, you kind of went, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, um, stop him. <laughs> I, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you that, uh, I, I'm not going to tell you that I, be, becoming a million-dollar winner, the, the first million is like, the biggest goal you could have, you know, like I was the second person to ever win a million dollars in the rain cowhorse association. And Teddy Robinson, my good friend was the first one. And, you know, that was really a big goal I had after that, you know, and, it, and it's not the money. It's just the, you know, you have to have goals. I mean, you have to have goals to be successful. I think. Right. Right. For sure. So, I, my goal yeah. is to stay on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, if there's anybody out there, if there's somebody out there that wants to pay me to do that, that would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, speaking of that, you uh, you've written a couple of books, obviously, and you've you you know you have DVDs out and all that. And I do want to talk to you about that. But I want to talk to you about one of the things that's come up on our live morning show this week, and is a common thread through through our listeners, and and we hear from them. It's about buying horses. Everybody dreads the process of going buying horses, and. Uh, you know, my co-host on the morning show, she, she told the funniest story. It lasted about 20 minutes on the show the other morning about going to California of all places, Northern California to see a, a couple of horses that were totally misrepresented. And when she got there, it was nothing like what, you know, what she thought it was going to be. And you wrote a book, a guide to avoiding common mistakes and finding the right horse for you be a smart horse buyer. And so tell us, you know, what are what are, what are the things that make buying a horse successful? Well, you know, I try to, you know, when I try to help people, I try to help them and touch something that they can relate on. And, you know, I just did an article. In fact, it'll be out, I think, next month or something, or maybe two months from now in Horse Rider Magazine. And, uh, and I have just sold a house, okay? So I'm, I'm relating selling a house to selling a horse. And we, we did an article on this because it just happened. I mean, I'm going through the process of, you know, having everything in escrow right now and doing this. And, you know, the biggest thing was is the way I priced this. I went and educated myself to do it. And, you know, a horse buyer or a horse seller, I think all, all falls in the same category, really, because you've got to have both of them to make one of them happen. And so um, when I sold this house, the first thing I did before I sold it, I went and paid to have it appraised. So I knew how much this house was worth. So when I priced it, I knew I wasn't doing something stupid. Now, I think that's something that 
when a person sells a horse, it's really important that you find somebody that can help you appraise it. And it's not hard to find, you know. Um, and when you're buying a horse, you should figure out how much this horse is worth before you go look at it, how much you can afford to pay for it, you know. I mean, I have people, I have people all the time will walk in, and this is something we discussed. And it didn't happen to me on the house deal, but it does happen to the horses. They'll walk in and go, well, how much do you want for that horse? And you'll tell them a price, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be 100000 or 10000 And they'll say, well, I can only pay 9000 or 90000 And you look at him and go, okay, are you making me an offer? Are you putting that down on paper? You know, are you putting ink on paper? Or are you just seeing if I'm going to bite on it, you know? So I think when you go to buy a horse, you have to educate yourself. You have to take somebody with you that is educated. You know, find yourself an agent. I went and found myself a real estate agent to sell my house because I'm not a real estate agent. So I went and I found somebody that did their job and I paid them to do their job and they did it very well for me. And, um, you know, they told me that what I priced my house at was the price that they felt it would sell. And it sold, I had two full, full offers on it in three days. So, you know, well, they didn't, they didn't just, you know, they didn't strike anything wrong there or anything else. But, you know, some people will price horses and you walk in and you kind of go like what you said, your friend w- went and looked at horses that were not what they said they were. I mean, I've walked <laughs> in on horses and go, where do you come up with this price? You know, I'm, they're just ridiculous. You know, today's <laughs> market is different than it was five years ago also. Well, and most and, of the, uh, don't you think most of the time that they're, those horses are priced with emotion more than reality? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, they're animals, they're pets, you know. It'd be kind of like trying to price your dog, you know. Yeah. Um, and you and, don't you know, know too, what the buyer's sell. looking for. What, what's the buyer looking for? You know, if, if you could have a very fancy, you know, $25,000 thoroughbred, and really the, the buyer is just looking for something to go trail riding with, you know. So you can you could package up, you could market, and you can price a horse for one buyer, and yet your other buyer comes through the door, and and therefore the value of that horse instantly goes down because that's really not what that buyer's looking for, right? Well, that that buyer should be told not even to come look at that horse, right? Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. thing. I mean, I know that when I go and I go to look at horses to buy, and I've had everything happen in the world, you know. I will kind of try and have a little checklist before I go and I'll ask questions and stuff, you know, and, um, and I see a lot of them that are, they're not, not what they say they are all the time too. But still, if, if I'm going to look for like a, a fraternity champion prospect, I'm going to tell them I want a really good one. Don't waste my time. If this isn't, if this is just a horse, if it's just a nice horse. Now I just sold a, a guy, a horse the other day to ride on his ranch. And I had to go find a horse that would just take care of this guy. It was just a nice horse that he could ride once a week or once a month, and he was going to be the same way. And, you know, it was a completely different type of horse that I'm looking at for a fraternity prospect. Right. So, you know, but I know what people need, and I know what fits them. You know, I'm not going to go and try to sell somebody that walks in looking for a Volkswagen, a brand new Mercedes, you know, and it's not the difference in price. It's just, that's not what they're looking for. Well, and you know what um, you do too, as you, 
the more experience you have in buying horses, you end up, uh, I think one of the most important things is how you read the seller. The people are the are the ones, you know, right. and, and Jamie was smart enough to read this lady, you know, immediately and know that, you know, that probably if she misrepresented at this point, she was going to be misrepresenting the whole way through the process. So that's another oh, thing yeah. that I'm sure you pick up within five minutes of walking in a barn. Oh, absolutely. I usually pick it up over the telephone anymore. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, every horse is going to have a problem, you know, and, and today's day and age with our uh, technology, with the veterinarian x-ray machines and everything else, if you want to find a problem, you're going to find a problem. And, That's you true. know, I always tell people, you know, find yourself the greatest athlete you can think of in, in the human race and go have them vetted. There's going to be something wrong with them. Yeah, well, there's an idea. Like, <laughs> I know, think we yeah, should do that I to our professional athletes. Well, I, they do. They actually do when they sign these big contracts. They have to take pretty good physicals and stuff. So, but um, you know, I when I was doing that book, I walked in the barn. I had two boys working for me at the time, and I would walk in the barn in the mornings and. I would be thinking about something in the book and I'd say, okay, what's a deal breaker? There's, there's part of that book that talks about the, a deal breaker. What can you not live with? Okay. You found your horse. You found the horse that you want. It's, it's just the horse that you pictured. It's everything you want. And it's got a problem. What kind of problem can you live with? What kind of problem can you not live with? So I walked in the barn one morning Christian Liebert was standing there looking at me, the young boy from Texas. And I said, okay, what's a deal breaker? What couldn't you live with? And he says, a horse that doesn't haul well. And I said, okay. And my wife owns a horse that's won a couple hundred thousand dollars, and we have to put hobbles on his back legs. We don't even hook them together anymore. He's had them on so much. And he just stands still. But he will kick in the trailer if you don't put him on there. I said, you're going to tell me that you won't? buy that horse that's won a couple hundred thousand dollars? Oh, well, geez, I guess that is a, I guess that one I would, you know? So, okay, the, the horse that you really want, you probably could live with. Then the other boy said, uh, a cribber, a horse that sucks air that grabs wood and stuff. And I said, okay, we had, we had a really nice ranch horse that you had to put a collar on. And he was, he was worth his weight in gold and you probably couldn't have sold him for anything. Uh, and I said, well, what, what about that horse there? Well, yeah, I guess I guess there is. So, you know, everybody has their different things, um, you know, that they can live with and they can't live with. Um, I have a horse that I've won over $300,000 with, and when I vetted him, he had a spur in his hawk, and he was only a yearling. And a lot of people would have backed away from him, and it's never bothered him at all in his whole life, you know? Yeah, people... Yeah. So, you have to be realistic about it. I mean, I have a spur in my neck, and I get up and go to work every day, you know? So, um, <laughs> you know, nothing's perfect. Horses are not perfect. They're animals. You know, they change as they get older. Um, you know, I think you just have to be realistic about it. I mean, I've seen people just flip out about the stupidest things, you know? And you kind of go, <laughs> No. <laughs> and Helena, you when you were horse shopping, Helena was horse shopping here recently, and you went through all of that too. It was, and you finally had to decide, you know, which of these horses with which of these things can I live with? Well, yeah, it, it definitely involved some some soul searching and a very honest conversation with myself about what I wanted to do. Like you said, Bob, what are your goals? And um, you know, 
Glenn knows, and in fact, our, the Stable Scoop audience knows just how many horses I sat on. And I ended up with a very imperfect horse. I mean, this horse is as narrow as you can get, and he's a little bit hot. Um, but, you know, you sit on him, and you, you, the vet goes through him with a fine-tooth comb, and you say, hey, you know what? He's not perfect, but he's healthy, he's sound right now, and I sat on him and didn't want to get off. I, you know, that's my criteria at this point. Um, that, that was great, you, you know. It, and yet some of the some of the greatest horses in the country have problems. You know, I, I mean, some of the greatest horses I've ever had have had some problems. But you know, can you live with them? Yeah, I can live with them. You know, yeah, it's, it's life is compromise. It's one compromise after that. You know, yeah. so big deal. He, he, you know, his he he toes out a little bit in the front. Hey, you know, it doesn't seem sure. to affect his way of going. He's happy. He's he's barefoot. He's healthy and. You know, he carries me around just fine. <laughs> yeah. And I have a feeling you know, he might win a couple of <laughs> Yeah, I keep telling my wife I'm perfect, but she doesn't believe that. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Be careful. She might get a vet in there. <laughs> there was a funny yeah, post. Yeah. On that note, it just reminded me there was a funny post on our Facebook page this morning. A uh, guy posted, and uh, he was talking about something. And he put in quotes, she who must be obeyed and I. And I thought that was an interesting way to talk about your wife. She who must be obeyed is his uh, nickname for her. So, <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, Now, you've good. done a couple of other books, too, and you have some DVDs. Tell us about those uh, and what, what you have to offer. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've done two different books. One is, is a lot on uh, how to be successful in the horse industry. And, and it really, if you wanted to take horse industry out of it, you could put anything in it, you know. And it's been around a lot. Uh, a lot of the colleges have used it and stuff. And uh, then I've done, uh, uh, I've done quite a few DVDs. And I, don't, I just did a DVD last summer about how to take care of your horse. And I, I really, it's interesting to see what people buy. And, uh, and I think this is probably the best one I've done. And it's just common sense. It's how to, how to think about hauling your horse, to feed your horse, to clip it, to bathe it, to what kind of ground to ride it on, you know, just, just common sense stuff. Um, is that the I've one been, that's uh, called uh, care for your horse? Right. Okay. Right. Right. And, um, and then I've done a lot of body control, um, DVDs, you know, and it's, it's, when it can break it down, anything, any problem you have with a horse, you can relate to body control or a lack of that. Right. And, um, and they've been very successful. Um, you know, so, so I, I've done a little bit of everything, you know, every year I do three or four of them and, uh, put them out and, you know, I enjoy doing them. They're, they're a lot of fun to do. And where can people find them? At bobavila.net. BobAvila.net, and, and uh, I know your books are also on Amazon. The one I talked about earlier, you can find on Amazon, um, and oh, I think uh, both of your books are there. So uh, e either place is good. Well, we do appreciate you being on with us and joining us today. Um, and, you know, I hope that people check out your website, too. Definitely go under, go under the ranch, under the About Us section, and you'll see a picture of the most beautiful flowered farm that you're ever going to see in your life. Thank you, Bob, for joining us. Right in the middle of it. All right. <laughs> we appreciate it. Take care. Okay, thank you very much. You guys take care. I want to go see his place. Did you see that picture? 
Right, with the purple flowers. Whose ranch oh. has flowers like that? I mean, we're talking thousands of flowers in California. Well, he did. Well, California is, it's not like you can't grow flowers in California. Yeah, but it's dry. It, you know, you see around that, it's all desert and it's just beautiful. He obviously, I don't know if he's out there doing the flower work himself, but it is, it's pretty. It's a very it pretty. pretty place. It, it is pretty, yes. Sounds yes. like he kind of has his own little paradise going there. And what an interesting conversation. Things that we haven't talked about here about downsizing and enjoying it. And, and he just seemed to be so, such an honest guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, and very professional. One of the things I really, really like about him and that I think the industry needs, you know me, on my soapbox, but that's what, that's what got him to where he is today, Right, is being a professional. That's right. And, it sounds and a little like, bit anal, and that's what yeah. got him his purple flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's passing that on to his son, too. I don't know about the anal mm. part, but the professional part. So, <laughs> so thanks to Bob for joining us today. We really appreciate him taking time out of his uh, busy schedule there, uh, training horses. So we really appreciate that. Speaking of professional, if you want to buy from a professional... God, my transitions are great today. If you want to <laughs> buy from a professional company in the horse world, you got to go to equestriancollections.com. They are one of the most professional retailers out there. You go to equestriancollections.com because right now their spring collections are coming in. Their spring clothing, the spring sheets, the uh, fly season, getting ready for that, believe it or not. But it, they're all arriving now at equestriancollections.com. Go to their new product section and you'll see all the new products that, that we were lucky enough to see at the shows we've been to. And I think you're going to love some of the new clothing that's coming out. And one of the cool things about Equestrian Collections is not only do they have products for the horse wife and the horse woman and the horse ch children, but they have products for the horse husband and the male riders in this world. A lot of websites and a lot of uh, retailers just don't carry any products for men. It's tough to find a choice in boots and in, in uh, clothing and in breeches and things like that. Well, they've got that over at Equestrian Collections. And you want to also follow them on their Facebook page. They have a wide variety of, of offers and information and people chatting on there. It's a terrific Facebook page. And you just search for them at Equestrian Collections on Facebook. So EquestrianCollections.com for all of your spring and summer riding needs. You know, some of that crap is just worn out. It's time to replace it. <laughs> to put it bluntly, yes. <laughs> that wasn't in the commercial that they gave us, by the way. Uh, I added. No, that, but it uh, is the truth. You're right. Truth. You know, we 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 horse people tend to hold on to stuff just a little too long. And you know what we do in the in the in the fall? We put away our our show stuff and things, and we put it away, and we go. You know, I'm going to put this away, but I know I need to replace that in the spring. But we don't throw it away to force us to replace it. And then spring comes and we get it out and we look at it and we go, oh, well, it's not so bad. Maybe I can get another season out of it. Right. And then halfway through the show season, it tears or it rips or whatever, breaks, and you're scrambling to find a replacement when you know you should have done it two months ago. So, so you just do it now. <sighs> See, well, go I to Equestrian Collections and it's done. person out there can relate to that story I just told because it's happened to every one of us. <laughs> it's almost. true. It's true. <laughs> well, I know you're wearing out, so why don't we just wrap the show up today? We'll be back again next week with a very special episode. Would you like to tell them about it? Uh, I would. I would. The special episode that we have coming up next week, believe it or not, I actually know what it's going to be. I was going to say, you remember? <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, because you said special. You know, oh. It's going to be the Desperate Horsewives episode. 
Oh, wait a minute. Did I totally mess up? It's no, the husband. It's the no, horse husband. next week is horse wives. That's right. You're, you're recording well, we didn't, next didn't week. We switched. Right, we right, switched right, it right. around this year because norm, normally we do the horse husband, husband's episode first <laughs> and then you do Desperate Horse Wives. So you right. can actually listen and pick on us about what right. we said and clarify things. Well, this time we get to listen to you guys and clarify things. We get right, to go that's... second. So, yeah, so I was right. Okay, I was right. Um, so it's the Desperate Horse Wives episode, and we're going to have um, a, a roundtable discussion of some horse wives, some desperate, some not so desperate, depending on <laughs> some, what happens that, that day. Some they were desperate, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, and we're just going to we're gonna chat about what life is like with uh, our significant others and our, our horse lives. Great, and then the next following week, us horse husbands get together to just complain bitterly about our wives. <laughs> No. <laughs> Be sure to jo- log in uh, to our website to find links to all the things we talked about today, to Bob's stuff and to Sammy Joe. You can find that at StableScoop.com in our show notes for today's episode. You can also follow us on Facebook. Please search for StableScoop on Facebook. Follow us there. We post pictures and things that we don't normally put on our website. You'll find the extra stuff there. And this is the point where you say, as always, we love your feedback. Oh, right. Well, I have to just tell everybody, normally we have show notes for Stable Scoop. So their they're show notes are these little, it's, it's a document that prompts us for which part of, for segues and which part of the show we're going to do next. Well, I want you to know, people, that Glenn neglected to post show notes. No, I so have I'm, I'm reading them. I'm actually what? on my show oh. notes. You know what really? I forgot well, to do? Uh, I forgot to put them on the left. Yeah. You haven't been Duh. looking at show notes this whole day? No. Well, no wonder you're lost. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sick. I'm lost. I'm hungry. And I have no show notes. Sorry about that. I've been looking at the show notes. They're very good, actually. All right. Well, I'll, I'll help you out. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us. Blah, 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 blah. Many thanks to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Uncle Jimmy's. And our title sponsor, Omega Alpha. And be sure to listen to all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com at 9 a.m. Eastern every morning, Monday through Friday, Horses in the Morning. And I can honestly tell you that Helena will be sitting in for Jamie on Tuesday morning and co-hosting Horses in the Morning. So you can hear Helena at 9 a.m. Eastern. Well, Helena, and that's I'll be it. in a much better frame of mind, I'll tell you that. <laughs> be able to talk a little, and, and she might actually be able to get to the show notes if I don't mess it up. That's it for this week. There will be more next week. <laughs> you were actually supposed to say, well, Glenn, I think that's plenty, but there will be more next week. Okay, so let's redo it. Okay. Ready? Go. Well, Helena, that's it for this week. Well, that was plenty. However, there will be more next week. Perfect. Ah. <sighs>